if I get to the gym and I don't have a headband, I'm turning around and going home. Welcome to Clocker Counter. I'm Ryan Young, and with me is James Wiseman. So today we're going to talk about what's in our frisbee bags. But first, let's get an update from James. Very quick update. We have one new type of catch that we have discovered in Durham. And then one catch that I assume people did in the past that we've kind of reinvigorated, but it's so dangerous. I think we're not going to do it anymore. So the first catch, I'm jokingly calling it the Phillips head flawed, but I think it should probably, (laughs) I'm I'm thinking it's probably going to have to be called a cross flawed. And I think there's going to be a whole series of cross moves. So the cross flawed is a flawed, but your legs are crossed in an X. So Johanna from, where was she from again? Nuremberg, Heidelberg, Cologne. She was from Cologne. She used to do kind of this cross under the leg lacer kind of thing. But I think we can cross everything. I think we can have cross flawed, cross chair, cross roots. But you just X your legs up, flip their positions, and do your catch. And it actually looks pretty cool, I think. It doesn't seem like a gimmick it works aesthetically i see is it like the equivalent of tweaking in snowboarding i don't know it's almost like a switch guidance that's static like you're holding the switch (laughs) and keeping the form and catching it and it's kind of one of those face palms why haven't we been doing this before it's such an obvious thing to do that mixes up your catch variety a little bit and it is pretty cool i think Okay, I'm going to have to see it. Yeah, when I was doing it, I felt, oh, this might look strange or this might look weird. And then Will started trying it and I thought, okay, no, it actually looks pretty cool. And this is day one. So maybe as people get it better. I do think you keep your legs together. Like your feet are essentially touching or very near each other. So it's not, you're not crossing far enough that there's a lot of space between your legs that I think would look weird. So it still looks like a flawed because your legs are together and you're catching it across your body, but it's just your leg positions are swapped. So it's just a little bit of diversity to your catch variety. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. And I thought, you know, Phillips head screwdriver, cause that's the X screwdriver. But mm-hmm. I think it's just going to be a cross. Cause I think you can just say you caught this, but you crossed it, but <laughs> we're, we're workshopping. We're, we're seeing where we're going. And the other catch, which is so cool. It's so cool, but I think it's really dangerous is the double barrel bad attitude. So Will and I were busting that out the other day and it looks amazing. It's really hard. But the reason I think it's dangerous and I'm probably not going to be doing it (laughs) is that something about the mechanics of it puts, I don't know how to describe it, puts pressure on your knee in a way that it's not supposed to do. So your, you know, if you imagine your knee goes up and down, this is pushing your knee side to side. It's almost like if you're on a plane where the fuselage is bending because of wind pressure, it's like that. Your knee is not supposed to bend that way, but the force of the barrel catch kind of shoves your leg against your arm and pushes your knee out a little bit. So don't recommend it. After we practiced it, I went back and I was getting into my bathtub as I'm known to do. And I felt this enormous pain in my knee <laughs> and figured, okay, I probably should never do that again. So it's your thought, up knee that hurts. Yeah. The knee that's in the bad attitude. Okay. And I thought it would be hard to convince Will not to do it for his longevity, but he said, no, I think you're absolutely right. This is scary. Now, maybe you could get really good at it and find the way to not make it dangerous, but I just don't ever, know if it's worth it. Have you ever heard of a Calypso? So it's a dance no. move. It's a barrel, but it looks very similar to a bad attitude barrel because but, go ahead like it your arm is kind of in the same position and the leg is also like in an attitude which is the the attitude position in dance the bad but attitude. does the leg hit against the arm it does not but that's kind of the problem it's something about because if you think about it i don't even really know why it happens i think it's because you have this rotational force and you're whipping your arm around really hard to get around your leg to catch the disc. But after you catch the disc, your leg and arm are still swinging. 
but your body isn't swinging as fast or as hard as your leg and your arm. So you are putting twist, torsion, whatever you want to call it, into your leg. And most of that goes into your knee and it does so in the worst possible way. Okay. I'm going to have to, you're going to have to show me it once when I get there. It's a little bit of this, of a similar problem to the barrel lacer, but I find that the barrel lacer is a little bit easier to avoid. But, you know, the barrel lacer, you land on your right foot and the rest of your body still has momentum. So -hmm. you're twisting through that leg, but at least the foot that's on the ground for the barrel lacer can pivot to some degree so it can (laughs) take some of that shock absorption. But the only thing taking the shock absorption on the barrel right attitude is your knee because you're still in the air. There's nothing really, the twisting's already been set. But I don't know. I would say that someone can probably figure it out, but I don't even know if I want anyone to risk figuring it out. I think I'm going to do <laughs> it one time on a video so it is known to the scientific community <laughs> and then put it in the books. I was describing it as finding a really dangerous weapon. It's very powerful. It's really cool. It would it would end many conflicts in a freestyle <laughs> competition, but it's so dangerous that maybe this technology is better left unknown. Or maybe we're doing it wrong. Who knows? But <laughs> we'll find out. <laughs> cool. So those are our two catches. Can you believe there's still catches out there? I'm sure people have done cross catches before, but they're just not part of the lexicon. And it's shocking to me. It seems so simple, but yet we never did it. How does that happen? I don't I feel like there's I could invent a new catch today. I tell you that all the time. Really? I guess I'm not sure that I can invent a catch every day, but I'm also pretty sure I couldn't invent a catch that I actually liked every day. Well, yeah, those are two different things. Okay, how about I'm going to invent a catch right now. So right now. Okay. Right now. Okay, so like sit somewhat like Indian style. With your legs. <laughs> As if I could sit I like that. Across <laughs> and like you put your hand through the opening and then reach back around and like, because you're making like a figure eight. So you put your hand through one, your arm through one opening and you catch it through the other See, opening. I, I used to do that as a hold, essentially, if you remember. Like you go on the ground, oh, you do yeah. grapevine and then you just do the other leg over. So that's a similar concept, except you do it as a catch. There was some other catch i did the other day that was kind of inventive but it was a little bit of a gimmick i'll have to think about that one remember what it was but i know what you mean i mean there's definitely lots of ways to see different kinds of weird catches i wonder if there'll be a point where there's enough catches and your windows are big enough on all your catches that it starts to be less about okay i have these however many 50 catches and becomes more i just have a spectrum. I just have this blank canvas and catches can be anywhere, any place. They're no longer the easiest example would be, is it a scarecrow behind the back? And there's some zone in between where you can catch it. But if everything became a zone and everything became permeable, you could start to have a different approach to the game. And that's where I think I start to have weird catches or sometimes, especially at the end of the day, when you're kind of bored of your own moves and you're just trying to find anything different. And I think that's hardest to do with catches because they are a little more rigid and defined. So you really start goofing off and you're laughing a lot. You start to come up with kind of weird catches. But again, I think the big distinguisher here is it is it a catch that I would put into my vocabulary because it's not just <laughs> a one-off. And that's a lot rarer. So check out, try out the cross, cross catch. We'll have to make a video of it or something, but I think it's pretty cool and there's, there's room to grow. So we'll see what else is out there. All right. Is that it for updates? That's it. All right. May I have a short bike update? Okay. So hit me. it's been like two to three weeks since I got my new fancy bike and it's getting to the point where I can feel why it costs four times as much. I'm like, it costs four times as much, but is it four times as good? And some things are four times as good. And like one of the things that I really wanted was fatter tires, which is Mm -hmm. like counterintuitive. It's both faster and more comfortable on the road and a carbon fiber frame, which is like built in a way where it bends to absorb all the bumps in the road. 
But when I pedal, all of that energy goes directly into the wheels, which is incredible to me that you can build something like that. Well, this goes to the concept that I've been really interested in lately, which is how to measure better because you say it costs four times as much and in some ways it's four times better, but that still is only going to translate to however many seconds, minutes off of your ride time. So yeah, this is another like example. Perceived. Where, <laughs> yeah. But it's just the I find so interesting that sometimes five percent better objectively or absolutely is fifty times better, relatively <laughs> speaking, right? There's I've been thinking a lot about it in basketball. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. it's the difference between a forty percent free three point shooter and a thirty six percent three point shooter. One is a role player that makes four million dollars a year. And the other is a super max that makes, you know, $40 million a year. So it's all in the (laughs) margins. So that's what counts. Just being a few percentage points better at whatever it is. Yeah. Although still got to be a little disappointing to spend four times as much money and only get an extra 3% power. I think it's good. Oh, no, I don't know if this is good, but that's how human brains work. So it feels worth it. It's like we glamorize the marginal gains. And so when you get a marginal gain, you're like, yes. One of my life philosophies that I'm not sure I've completely implemented properly, but based on our simple monkey brains, it sounds like the best way to live your life is to just always have very small marginal gains. (laughs) Exactly. So if if they (laughs) putting aside tax financial legal advice it's almost like if you won the lottery from a psychological perspective alone you should say no no no! don't give me all the money now give me like one percent this year two percent next year three percent the year after that (laughs) and so every year you feel like you're getting richer versus if you get it all now you're gonna default back to baseline and you're not gonna get any more joy out of it Mm -hmm. but you waited you did a good job of waiting to get your new fancy bike but it sounds like now you're topped out. So maybe I'm only giving you another two years of biking before you're going to be tired of it because there's no more gains but to there's a obtain. Lot of room to grow sideways, like bike packing. That's going to be, I've already talked to my contact in Europe. I know where I'm going to leave my stuff when I fly there and I'm speed biking around. Okay. Let's pause a second on getting better sideways. Because right now I feel like I'm getting so much better at freestyle sideways and I'm so, (laughs) I'm so happy about it. I think Will is much to credit for it because he's getting so good that it's pushing me to be better, but it is definitely sideways because no one is ever going to know. No one will ever be able to tell. I think even I was saying this to Will and Will was basically like, I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) we, We had the video night. I think he probably thought I looked just as good in 2018 as I do now. But I am embracing your philosophy that getting better sideways is is great. So I'm having a blast. I'm loving freestyle right now. But it's funny to think about just getting better sideways. That just might have to be my <laughs> life's philosophy going forward. Yep. I Yeah, that's going to be key for retirement. Yeah, and I think it's probably... It probably feels like talked the about marginal it, gain. Yeah. <laughs> It's it's harder and harder to get objectively. I should use absolutely. I like this idea of absolutely. It's really hard to get absolutely better at freestyle in year 15 when you've practiced every day for 15 years. But you can still get better sideways. Just got to let... <laughs> it's almost like learning a new hero in Dota. I'm letting go yeah. of some old skills that I don't really... I've already done those. I'm good with that. And now we're just going to introduce new skills that are feel fresh and exciting again. It's like, at what point would I learn the sideways skill of counter? I'm so (laughs) deep into the sideways skill of counter. I'm only at doubles practice now or at the end of the day when we're kind of trying to catch out. I'm only going for my double counter lefty barrel guidance. That's all. That's all I do. I'm just trying to keep pace with the Duke students and their dominant doubles with my non-dominant doubles, which I'm not really (laughs) succeeding at. but. It's it's fun to know that at the end of the jam, I'm probably going to be the last one to successfully <laughs> catch out, which is definitely a new feeling. But that's a good thing because it means I get a little bit more practice than everybody else because it takes me longer to get my catch. Yeah, it's also good because it takes the pressure off of everyone else too. Yeah. 
Fair point. Although I got to say, there's something to feel like I cannot, we'll just caught four barrel goddesses in a row and I'm still over here just dropping it over and over and over again. <laughs> but we're getting there. It's, it's so much fun right now. I think I like to reflect on how everything ebbs and flows. And even though there's lots of low points in freestyle right now, the Duke freestyle is at an absolute high point where we're hitting really nice, to use a Dota term, skill timings. We're syncing up really well. <laughs> and everyone, I think, is having a lot of fun. More so than ever before. Like I was telling you before we started today that we had a great jam yesterday with four of us that all from different years and all different skill levels. And it was one of the first times where I felt truly no pressure to make it fun because it was happening so naturally that I didn't need to do anything actively to try to make all the pieces together or make these different skill levels communicate properly. It's just, this is going to happen on its own. (laughs) I'm just having fun. And I was also thinking, of course, this turned into a longer Duke update. Apologies. But I think in the past, and this will always be true, but for most of my time here in Durham, when I'm playing with people, it's a mix of two things that are totally separate. I'm most of the time in teaching mode, helping you get to where you need to go. And then when I just need a moment, I'm going to do something completely on my own. That's just a cool move. It's just like an indie basically, or those are two different modes. And the indie or the cool thing for me is just a break that happens once an hour or something. (laughs) Just recently, I feel like, no, I'm just going to go jam just like I would in New York City. And all the other stuff is happening on its own. So it's just really exciting. So definitely come, come, come check it out here. We got something great going. (laughs) But with that, let's go to your idea for a new segment. What's in your jam bag? Start us off. Yep. So we don't have a lot of rules. I think we're just going to go back and forth calling out things we like. So let's start with you, James. And are we going in order of importance, basically? I was going to, yeah, I was going to say, what's the most important? Let's start with the most important thing in your jam bag. The most important thing. Well, I mean, the going first is almost no fun. You have to have a Frisbee. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I I was thinking what disc is currently in my bag. (laughs) So, but I think there's a lot of nuances to all these things. So not only do I have a disc in my bag, I'm usually going to have four or five discs in my bag. And that's more than normal because you never know where you're going to need to give one away at Duke. But these days I'll have one new plastic disc. I'll have one old plastic disc. I'll have one disc nearing the end of its life, one disc and the prime of its life, and maybe one or two new discs. And probably four or five will be slicked and ready to go. But that's generally what I'm going in with. They're probably going to, there's always going to be at least a yellow. There might be a white. And if there's any other color, that's a giveaway disc. If there's a blue or an orange, that's just a giveaway. But that's kind of my default. If I've really prepared, I'm going to have those discs ready to go. Yep. That's solid covering all your bases. Yeah. And of course, sometimes I forget and I go out and I don't have any discs, which is unfortunate. You have to give away your B disc. I have not had to give away a truly great disc in a long time. The nice thing is because I have so many Duke freestylers that I've given a million discs to, I'll just give away one of their discs. I treat everyone's disc as mine because they were mine at some point and I'll just replace them. So unless I know, which happens sometimes, if I know they have a particular attachment to that disc, I won't give it away, obviously. But a lot of times I'm like, I gave you that disc last week. You can't possibly be attached to it. We're giving that one away. It's all marginal utility. What's the least valuable disc at the gym right now? That's the disc that we're going to give away. So that's that was the easy one. You got to have a disc with you. Yeah. I think I have a 2018 Sunbreak disc in my bag. It's one of the that's last. A, <laughs> that's a good disc. Well, that's a good point. I should say. So these days, I will usually have a 2018 World Peace disc. That's another disc, not to offend anybody, that had a design that I didn't really like because it covers the whole disc. And I've checked before, but I don't love being associated with some 60s counterculture not because i disagree with it just that's not part of my culture or life or whatever 
but it's got good plastic and we're have we have less <laughs> and less great plastic left. So I usually have one or two yellow world peace discs. I have I am learning to appreciate the new plastic. So I just bought I think 55 of the 2022 world's disc and they're very flat, which is an underrated aspect of a disc. They're super flat. And so I usually have one or two of those <laughs> in my bag now. White disc, there's a wider variety of years where the white disc plastic is fine. So I'm a little less picky on that. But there's essentially no B disc left. Actually, one thing that happened recently, which I meant to tell you, there was a GM. I don't even know how he had this disc where Ray brought out a yellow B disc. We started jamming <laughs> with it. And this is this felt like a turning point in history. Just a major event. If you felt chills go down your spine about a month ago, it was because of this happened. Or I had to take that disc and I said, guys, this one, it's done. We have a better disc than this. It was too used. <laughs> we had to set it aside <laughs> and get out a world peace disc. And it just felt like the passing of the torch. This disc is washed up. It's washed out. Got to move on. But yeah, these days I have I bought so many discs because we give so many away that it's totally random what at least three of my five discs are going to be. I had an orange blank stamp disc yesterday that we gave away. There's just a lot of random stuff now. Okay. All right. So is it my turn? Yep. Okay. So now I think nails are the second most important thing. I mean, it doesn't work without the third most important thing in the bag. Well, I was going to say, I think <laughs> if we were drafting, I'd say you already lost because slick <laughs> to me is the next most important thing. <laughs> it has many advantages because slick, you could jam with just slick and a disc. Nails, not only do you need slick to use the nails, really, you also need glue to use the nails. But yeah. I'll give you nails. So how many nails are you bringing? What's their state of use? Give me the details. Okay. I probably have about 15 nails in my kit at the moment. And they're, it's, I have like the favorite child syndrome going on where there are the few remaining matte nails that I just use and decondo constantly. And there's uh -huh. like a brand new yarn nail just like there the whole time, just like watching everyone else have fun. <laughs> 15 is kind of a lot. I'd say I usually have 10 or so with me. Because you never want to have too many in case you lose them. Although I don't think I've ever lost my nail bottle. Do you have your nails in a bottle? You have them in a tackle box, right? Yep. I was going to use that as one of my things. but Okay, yeah. we'll come back to that. We'll okay. come back to that. But 15 is a lot. And then are they all different levels of condo? Exactly. Like I decondo them all at the same time. So then I use like the 15, condo them all up. And then I decondo all 15 and then they slowly re... And what's your... Yeah ordering do you wear two nails until they're fully condoed and then move to the exactly. next set of clean nails because i have the tackle box i like separate the nails that i'm are currently in use in a different section that's pretty interesting because i do that a little bit definitely i'll have okay these two nails are really sweet i'll wear them a bunch but i kind of evenly distribute my condo and i think it's because just somewhat irrational <laughs> human behavior where i think Oh, today I want to really, today's going to be a really sweet jam. I'm going to put on these fresh, recently decondoed nails. So I think, well, here's a question for you. If you're eating, let's say a Hostess cupcake, do you know Hostess cupcakes? Do you eat Hostess cupcakes? I've seen one, but I've never eaten one. Hmm. Let's take a... Like Twinkies? Yeah, let's take a Twinkie. Do you, you eat Twinkies, right? Yeah. Shout out to Zofia who loves Twinkies. How do you eat your Twinkie? Like a hot dog, I guess. It's like bite just, one just end. Go in order. Yeah. So whenever I have a food that has some part of it that's better than the rest of it, like the inside <laughs> of a Twinkie or maybe like an Oreo or like if you have a certain brownie type that you like. In the old days, a younger me, I would eat, I would do all the work first and I would eat all the parts <laughs> that I don't like. Or maybe a sandwich is a good example I don't like the crust as much on a sandwich. So when I was younger, I would eat everything. I'd eat all the crust and then I would eat the center of the sandwich. Mm -hmm. But now as I got older, I realized, well, by the time I get to my, the favorite, my favorite part of the sandwich, 
I've wildly decreased the utility of the bites because I've just enjoyed a bunch of the sandwich. I might not even be hungry by the time I get to the part that I like. So now at the beginning, I just take the best part first. Another, (laughs) Another extreme example is cinnamon rolls. You make like hostess cinnamon rolls and you have a certain amount of icing that you have to dole out on the cinnamon rolls. If you're like my well-organized, well-disciplined wife, she'll icing all the cinnamon rolls first after they've cooled down. She's a psycho. <laughs> and, and then she'll eat them. Whereas I will douse the first one with icing. I plan to run out of icing because by the time I get to the last cinnamon roll, I'm probably no longer hungry and I'm actively feeling sick. So I'm not worried about the last cinnamon roll. I want to just max out of the beginning. So that's how I am about my nails. Every time I go out, I'm like, what's my best, cleanest set of nails? I'm going to wear them right now. I might lose these nails by the time that they need to all be decondoed. Wait, now I have a question. Okay, okay. Like, are your nails the best when they're freshly decondoed to me they're like discs where you break them in so you have to like build the condo up a little bit before they hit their sweet spot at one point i think that you were technically correct my only counter to it is well it kind of depends so if it's a brand new nail i tend to agree with you that you need to sort of have a baseline amount of glue on it that's sort of shaped to your nail and so probably a one or two day condo is the best nail in general. (laughs) But I have two advantages. One, I make my own nails now, which means they're pretty much perfectly shaped to my nail right out of the box. (laughs) And I think Loctite is so good these days that I'd never have a problem getting it to stick just to the bare nail. But two, my fingers happen to be the same shape as a Dremel sanding tool, which means if I've decondoed my nails, they're they already have a base layer of glue because there's just that millimeter layer that you kind of leave behind. And the (laughs) nail is perfectly shaped to my fingernail and it's nice and roughed up. So these days, a lot of time, the freshest, newest nail is the best, cleanest nail for me to use. But isn't it shocking how quickly your nails get condoed? Just it seems like I'm decondoing all the time and somehow three weeks later, all my nails have an eighth of an inch of super glue on them. It's because you take your nails off every day. So I glue half the amount of time you do. That's true. I like 99.9% of all freestylers take my nails off every day. So that's interesting. What color of nails should you have? Are you rocking these days? My, according to Matt, no. Okay. So my favorite is the skin colored, the kind of the color you use. The pink. Because... The pink, yeah. They're really, they're gum colored because the dental acrylic is supposed to match your gums somehow. I see. I hear it's faster than the clear and it also blends in with your hand better than the clear, which is somewhat unintuitive, but it does. I think you're right. That's, I used to use clear for many, many years. I've switched mostly to using the pink nails and yeah, I think they blend in better to your hands. They're a little bit easier to see on the ground. I don't know if they're faster or not. I buy it. I don't, I don't doubt it. If Matt said it, then it must if be Matt true. If Matt said it, it must be true, but I can't really tell the difference, honestly. And I guess we've sort of talked about this before, so we don't have to dwell too much longer on it. But how big are these nails and how thick are these nails? Uh, I would say average in both metrics. So, like, Well, you're wrong. Your nails are tiny. You think my nails are tiny? <laughs> Now, it's all relative. You're a lot smaller than me. So maybe relatively speaking, they're average size, but I can barely hold your nails in my between my fingers. I've seen smaller. Daniel wears nails that I don't even know how he gets a drop of glue on. Same with Teddy. And I think Joey also has tiny nails, but I have like, I've moved to bigger and bigger nails. Okay. But not as big as Jake. So mine are probably, if I look at my fingernails, my nails are maybe 80% as big as my fingernails. Yeah, mine what, probably get a full coverage. Mine are like closer to 90 to 95%. Yours cover 90% of your fingernail? When it's brand new, it's like, it like goes from skin to skin on across the nail. That's crazy. You're talking, I'm talking with like length 
I mean, it also covers the entire nail lengthwise, but I don't glue it that way. I'm talking mostly with length. Oh, length. length I'm probably at 95 to 100 oh, okay. percent with coverage. Anyways, we've done we've done stuff on nails before, so I think that's all we had on that. So I'll go next. Taking slick, obviously, it's okay. the most important thing <laughs> besides the destiny, because you could in a pinch jam with just nails. You need slick for the disc to work the way it works for freestylers. I'm using, I think it's Eros Body Glide. It also goes by Pure PU with the Umlaut R. I think it's the best slick I've used in general. What we've now called Pro Slick, I think, has less variance among the products you could buy. They all tend to work well enough, unlike canned silicone which was a total gamble every time even within the same kind total gamble how well it would work but in my personal experience the eros pure brand has been the best and i think i all been in was the one who first recommended it to me and i buy it in massive quantities from (laughs) adult websites which is what it is (laughs) i just get it off amazon well, there was a while where it was on Amazon and then sometimes it wasn't on Amazon, but I found that it's cheaper if I buy it from an adult website and I can buy bigger quantities of it. So instead of whatever it is, a 30 a ounce bottle, yeah, oh, okay. you get like multiple liter bottles liter. of it. <laughs> okay. So I looked it up before this podcast to make sure it had the right name in my brain. And did you know they make a super concentrated version of it? The Eros brand? I think mine says super concentrated on it. Does it? it? I think mine just says standard. Are we using different slick? I'll have to check it. But if we're using this different slick, I can't tell a difference between yours and mine. Yeah, I can't. But are you just curious that maybe there's some better slick out there that we haven't even tried yet? It's like the same company and it just says super concentrated. I'm like, what does that mean? I'll take a look at that and we'll report back next week if mine says super concentrated. Because I'm pretty sure I just, when you say that, I just, I'm very familiar with the con- the, I, the phrase super concentrated doesn't sound alien to me, which makes me think I'm <laughs> reading it all the time on my bottle. But I don't keep the slick in the bottle that it comes in. I put it in a travel bottle, which we can talk more about later. <laughs> but I was thinking before we recorded today, I had my whole diatribe a couple episodes ago about how I think we've over idolized plane without nails. Like it's some higher plane of plane. And it's interesting to me that no one talks about that with slick. I don't know if I made this point (laughs) in the last episode. I don't remember. So sorry if I'm repeating myself, which I'm sure I do all the time, but no one's been like, man, what's so cool about that guy or woman playing without slick it's like you, <laughs> He's a, you'd be like they're, they're a plastic purist is what yeah. that like that is just a pure off the shelf disc <laughs> un, unadulterated with you know new age slick nonsense nobody says that <laughs> and so i don't know why it's totally cool to play without nails but it's not totally cool to play without slick at least be consistent about it so i'm all about getting every advantage i can up to perhaps, you know, steroids or something. But <laughs> what about I can, the, the spin jammer? <laughs> like put a cone in the middle of your... Well, I don't think that helps me, honestly. I think it makes it worse. It puts <laughs> a like hard a cap disc. on... Yeah. If you could design a disc that made me play better, I would take it in a heartbeat. I think the thing that would be challenging... I think it would be challenging if the spin doctor actually enabled more moves without any trade-offs. Maybe that would be an existential threat to my idea of freestyle. And I have to contemplate <laughs> whether I would be opposed to it because it's not what we do. But if, I think if, for instance, they invented a new disc that was 10 times slicker and suddenly you could do way more moves with it, I wouldn't be like, no, that's not freestyle. <laughs> that's the wrong. I would be like, this is great. <laughs> We're going to take that. It makes it easier to jam. I'm in on that. And I think, yeah. you know, we've talked about this, but new freestylers <laughs> don't understand how much progress we've made in our technology from when even you and I started. I can't even <laughs> imagine what it was like back in the day. Although I think actually we talked about this on a lost episode of the podcast that no one's ever heard. 
I think actually in the 80s, they might have had, I don't know, better technology than we have today. But I think there's a U-curve where in the 80s, they had great technology, but it gave you cancer. And then as our environmental regulations improved, <laughs> then slick got way worse. <laughs> glue probably got less powerful or whatever the things are. And there was a dark period, I think from the nineties to the 2010s where slick was more challenging. But since we started playing, it's just been an upward trajectory. The glue is way better. The slick is way better. The disc TBD. I'm, <laughs> I'm not certain about it, but I definitely think will prefers the newer disc. So Whoa. it'll probably be generational. And we're, are we at the point where if Will says something that has influence on us, I'm like, my perception of the new plastic just went up 5% after you said that. It was a secondhand I, recommendation. There's something to it. <laughs> Will dictates more about the... Will has basically replaced me already. It's incredible. I have way <laughs> less say or impact on everything. It's just... This is the disc we're using. This is when we're playing. This is who's coming. Will is in charge of everything. I just show up. It's my dream come true. But yeah, I'm very excited. This is part of me getting better. I see Will do things. And I'm like, I got to do that now because that's so cool. Will is basically my new Matt. So and think of where he's going to be in five years. It's going to be incredible. So yeah, new plastic. Maybe it'll be more popular. I don't know. It's The only thing I don't like about it is the like pliability of it feels wrong to me. There are times where I kick it or roll it or brush it and it feels off. But I think objectively when it comes to spinning on my finger, the new disc is great. It feels flatter and I don't know. So who knows? Got to cool. move with the times. We don't want to be holding, holding back the future just because we're trying to hold on to the past. Yeah. All right. So what do you got right. next? We got disc nails slick glue is next so this is where we differ i mm -hmm. use gorilla glue and you use loctite and i was googling the other day what how do they compare and the biggest difference is gorilla glue works better when it's wet and loctite everything has to be dry and i was wondering really? if that makes a difference in our use cases or well, maybe explain. I should put it better. Loctite oh, outperforms Gorilla Glue in every case, except for like gluing wood together, which we don't care about, except when it's wet. So like if the surface has moisture on it, then it's then Gorilla Glue will outperform it or outperform Loctite. Okay, that's interesting. I'm trying to see. I thought they were the same base ingredient. I know they might. They obviously have different like additives. whatever you want to call them like yeah. inactive ingredients or whatever although inactive ingredients is always a misnomer right because it's <laughs> it's just inactive in the sense it's not you know the drug you bought but it does a lot of other stuff so that's interesting so we've talked a little bit about this before i know that most super glue if not all super glue is cyanoacrylate i'm not sure if i'm saying that right or if i'm added a few or took a few syllables out i don't care exactly how you say it but that was a technology developed initially and maybe accidentally as a medical tool for stitches. So like if you're on the battlefield and you get cut and you don't have the means to stitch someone's skin back together, you could super glue it back together. And that's why it's really fast and why it's really sticky. And, but this means that generally all super glues are kind of the same because it's the same base ingredient. It's what matters to me is the delivery mechanism and yep. the, viscosity so if is it is it a liquid or is it a gel i strongly prefer gels because the liquid gets everywhere and is really hard to do a controlled application and then loctite has the best dispensing mechanism in my opinion because it one allows you to use glue right up to the last second because if you've never used loctite it has these handles on the side that when you squeeze together it pushes the glue bag that you can't see inside the container together to squeeze all the glue out. And it has this metal pin that you can't see that breaks the seal on any dried super glue at the application tip, which means unlike with crazy glue, which just happened to me all the time, you never <laughs> get the, oh, it's dried at the top and I can't get any of the glue out of the packet. So that's 
those are the main reasons I love Loctite. Loctite was introduced to me relatively early in my freestyle career by Oren and Ofek from Israel. And it took a few more years for it to become more widely available in the United States. I'm not sure why it was available in Israel earlier. Maybe they either found it in some niche place there or it's from there. I have no idea. But I think Loctite is way better. But what do you like about Gorilla Glue? So there's... Oh, yeah. Talking about the applicator. So the Gorilla Glue does come in the bottle and you squeeze the sides and it has the thing, internal mechanism that like pushes the glue out. That they stole from Loctite. Yep. One thing Loctite does have that's nice is the cap only takes a quarter turn to open, but the Mm -hmm. Gorilla Glue takes like three turns. So it's significantly slower on the Gorilla Glue container. But I've had the Loctite glue itself shut and they just like throw it away. But that's never happened on the Gorilla Glue cap. Now, didn't you also used to use the brush applicator? No, I used to use the glue that you would find in the fake nail section, like in cosmetics. And that was like the thing where the first when I started using it, it was way better because the glue was stronger and the condo built up like in half the amount of time. So it would be like forever before the nail was too condoed. But I'm sure there was some environmental regulation that came in and be like, you can't make glue like this anymore because it got significantly worse at some point. Uh, I was like, ah, oh, this doesn't work anymore. I really early on before Loctite was widely available would use a crazy glue with the brush applicator because crazy glue was all liquid, which was such a hazard. My <laughs> goodness. But the brush was a little bit better to just brush some on your brush, some on the fake nail, brush some on your real name nail and put it together. Now, one other technology just to throw out there for any old timers listening. Some people used to and maybe still do a contact cement <laughs> gluing technique. And there's different versions. There's one version that's just contact cement or rubber cement. And some people do a layering where they, I guess they do contact cement on the fake nail and on your real nail, let that dry and then do a super glue in between. And I think part of the appeal of contact cement is if I remember correctly, I've tried it. I did it for a little while. It doesn't leave any residue on your nail. So it's a little easier to get off. It's It has a little more flex in it. So it kind of feels more like your regular nail, I suppose. But contact cement takes forever to dry. There's <laughs> no way to re-up in the middle of your jam pretty much at all, let alone after waiting 20 minutes. And I think almost nobody uses it anymore. It's on my mind. I think this is when I was at the disc golf thing. I don't remember, but I was gearing up and some much more wizened freestyler was there. I don't even know if it's a freestyle. More like someone in the community and they're like, oh, like, are you getting your contact cement out? And I said, no, <laughs> people have not <laughs> used contact cement for 25 years. I'm getting my super glue out. I also think part of the appeal might've been that crazy glue was such a pain to use when it was liquid that contact cement had more advantages. But these days with Loctite, I almost never have residue on my nails. So that's never a problem for me. So I don't really get anything out of the contact cement there. And the contact, the Loctite's so easy to apply effectively that I can't imagine why anyone would use rubber cement anymore. Rubber cement also, you're going to condo way faster because it's mm-hmm. basically way more glue and it's much harder and grosser and weirder to get off so i'm just generally negative on rubber cement (laughs) so that's glue trying to use anything else boy liquid glue was so terrible i hated it okay (laughs) now it's me again right yep are there any more essentials if we were drafting i know what i would take but i'm going to zag here and take a me special that has been gaining popularity across the world. And I credit myself for this. And I want a sponsorship from this company. I'm going with Vaseline. I'm going to have a <laughs> tub of Vaseline in my jam bag all the time. It, it's one of the most devastating things to realize that I forgot. And I think there was even a time, weirdly, where in Germany, Vaseline was illegal or banned or something. <laughs> I remember being in Germany in the winter, and there being no Vaseline. And... I was very upset and I'm just like, well, I just can't freestyle this entire trip because I don't have it. (laughs) So here's what the purpose is that Vaseline serves. First and foremost, especially in the wintertime when everything gets dried out, it helps 
keep my skin. This sounds so weird or gross. I don't care. Keeps your skin just moist. It keeps you from drying out, which is really important for your touch. So if you're rolling or brushing or scoop brushing, especially, you got to have functioning hands that they're too dry. It just doesn't work. <laughs> so it's definitely more of a wintertime thing. I don't know if I really need it very much, if at all, in the summer. But to me, the difference between Vaseline and no Vaseline in the winter is the difference between wearing long sleeves and short sleeves. I just lose a lot of feeling in my arms and hands and <laughs> I'm not good with it. And I think when I, I, I'm, did anyone else ever do this before me, Ryan, as far as you're aware? Uh, I have had people tell me to put lotion on my hands in the winter to Got like it. for the same effect, but you were the, the Vaseline like Messiah. Or, or the okay. Well, I only say this not cause it's some great revelation, but when I was first doing it, it was so embarrassing and people are just like, what are you doing? Just like <laughs> rubbing Vaseline on yourself before you play. <laughs> And there's an infamous story with me and Ilka that I'm not even going to tell on this podcast where there's a wild misunderstanding about why I was taking a bunch of Vaseline around with me. <laughs> but since I started doing it now, especially in the winter, I'll go out to Europe and I see a lot of people with a big tub of Vaseline in their bag. It's also one of the ones I, I'm always aware of. What are things that I do that I feel like I have to hide at the beginning when I'm introducing new freestylers <laughs> and the times where I'm just quietly sneaking off to rub Vaseline on my arms before I play is definitely one of them but i i gotta have it i know it's weird but and just to be clear you can't tell i'm not like it's not like if you touched me you'd be like what's going on there it just is a very thin layer of vaseline that keeps me <laughs> sticky for lack of a better word and then one last thing i don't think this is scientifically established but i also th believe and maybe it's a placebo that it helps me stay warm in the winter because I want to wear as few layers as possible. No, that's for, definitely. I think there's well, scientific backing. I was going to say that in the Winter Olympics in Japan, whenever it was, all the Olympians were vaselining up, just like I've been doing in freestyle for years. And I was, I felt incredibly validated watching that. I said, "Haha, <laughs> you see, it's a thing. People do it. I'm not alone." But. I was doing some research around the time and it didn't seem like anyone had figured out if it actually worked or not. And then the last thing I'll say just as an anecdote, my mom's a pediatrician and the two things that I use constantly, I'll get three things I use constantly that are from my mom's medical insights. And my mom is just as kooky and weird as I am. I'm obsessed with Vaseline bleach and duct tape. There is few ailments in the world that cannot be <laughs> solved with a tub of Vaseline, a roll of duct tape, and a bottle of Clorox bleach. So those are my, if I'm <laughs> stuck on an island, give me those three things. I don't even need antibiotics. Just give me those three things and I'll be fine. <laughs> Do you you don't like, use it though, right? I I used to use it, but I don't play anymore. So I don't, I don't okay, use there anything. You go. There you yeah. go. If it was a draft, that would have, that would have been a bad pick, right? Uh, yeah, it's too single. I mean, it's too narrow. Well, think okay. of how many players just got 20% better because they just learned about Vaseline. You're welcome. Okay. All right. So my next thing sounds super obvious. Then I realized you didn't do it. <laughs> so a bag inside of your Frisbee bag to put your discs in so that everything in your bag doesn't get covered in slick. So like... We're like talking one day and you're like, don't you hate it when then or you're telling me about cleaning your bag out? And it's like every crevice and everything in my bag was covered in slick. And he's like, do your slick containers leak? And I'm like, wait, why is everything not separated? And I was like, what? Like learning, you need to use like a toilet seat when you go to the bathroom as a guy. <laughs> no. <laughs> it was like that. <laughs> no, okay. So first off, I have a mini bag in my jam bag that has my slick, my glue, my nails, whatever. And that does a good job of limiting the fallout from slick to the greater bag contents. But the disc itself, I'm not that concerned about the slick on the disc getting everywhere else in my bag because it's mostly a bag that I use just for freestyle. But it is funny that you're the one who's much more comfortable 
not using a slick rag and just rubbing slick with your bare hands everywhere. And yep. yet you're <laughs> fastidious about keeping anything that has slick on it from anything else in your bag. Because I use my backpack for work and for travel and everything. It's like my That's lunch true. is in that <laughs> bag next I mean, to my One discs. of the best things about slick and especially pro slick is that it's safe and non-damaging. So I don't care. For instance, I'll throw all my clothes in my bag next to all the desks. And I, A, I never notice that they get a little bit of slick on them. It's not like slick stains, really. And I can just wash it all at the end and it's fine. <laughs> the only time slick is annoying is if it truly spills out of the bottle, which there I agree that my laziness is a problem because it would be better to have a bag in a bag in a bag to have slick <laughs> in a bag that's in the jam bag that's in the Frisbee bag. But I'm too lazy to do that. Also, I did finally find found I did finally find a great slick container. But as you like to talk about the greatest what's the opposite of a fail save the greatest wink link in society is human error which is that five times out of ten i don't fully close the <laughs> lid because i'm so eager to go jam <laughs> that it still spills all over my bag and that is definitely a more annoying problem but <laughs> it's generally an aesthetic problem i'm just annoyed that there are at a certain point, slick doesn't stain, but there's so much slick on the object that it's blotchy <laughs> and weird. And my mini jam bag is always covered in slick because of that. And I lose a lot of slick, frankly. I'm like, how did I already go through this? And it's because it leaked out everywhere. I need, you must have a different, you also use a rag to slick the disc. I don't, I don't understand it. <laughs> well, it was funny. I, I was going to have pick- a rag in my jam bag it's like not even an item i was gonna pick the slick rag but it <laughs> occurred to me that you don't need it for any number of reasons one because you could just use your bare hands like you do and sometimes i will on a pinch and two you can always just use your shirt or your pant leg or your socks mm-hmm. and a bind and like i said it's not going to permanently damage any of your clothes i mean knock on wood i mean don't hold me responsible <laughs> if your mink fur coat gets damaged by a bunch of silicone but generally that's totally fine to do. But the bag within a bag, that's a pretty good one. But I thought you were going to take my next one, which I almost never have with me. But it is very handy and it's essential at a tournament, which is nail or nail clippers. Mm-hmm. And ideally, I, you might even, if you let me, I'll combo it. Nail clipper tweezers are a great <laughs> thing to have in your jam bag. Yeah, I agree. I have one in mine and you borrow it all the time. All the time. I'm so happy when you jam when you're here because I know I'll need I'll need it. I mean, I don't know if other people don't have this problem or I just jam too much or I have weak fingernails. It's probably a combination of all of them. But every single jam, one to four of my nails get completely ripped up. So like just yesterday, and you'll see me if you watch me jam sometimes, I'm kind of like I don't know how to describe it, kind of rubbing my thumb against my fingernails. And it's because there's always <laughs> one or two that's totally damaged and I'm kind of just <laughs> monitoring it and distracted by it. And I don't know exactly what causes it. Obviously, I do all my delaying with the fake nail, but I think it's from upside down, the claw and just incidental contact and brushing, whatever it is. But always my nails are totally messed up. And I do think I become an absolute surgeon at removing <laughs> chunks of nail without proper tools mid jam without causing like a <laughs> ingrown nail or where you like take it too far to the root and it really hurts. But I've got, you know, masterful teeth, fingernail combo removal techniques that usually get me out of trouble. But when you have nail clippers and tweezers, it makes a huge difference. Yeah, it's a good one. And I think okay. I know what you're going to take next. So just take it. You think so? I've, tur- I've go... turned this into a draft without really meaning to. Just by competitive <laughs> nature, I guess. I was going to go with the Camelback next. Ah, that's a great pick. I yeah, thought you were going to take Yeah. You were the one that turned me on to this. But... Really? I thought you turned me on to it. But now I'll, I'll take credit for it. That's great. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So there's several advantages. One, it fits into... One, okay, here's the biggest advantage. 
most water bottles go up to one liter in size, but the average Camelback is more than one liter, but it feels like it takes up less space than just the one liter bottle in your bag. Yeah, mine's also, three liters. Yeah. What's yeah, yours mine, is like two? Mine's one and a, I think it's two, yeah. Yeah. Also, Camelback's huge. Yep. You can wear it too. And when we're traveling and we're outside the US and we need to drink water, <laughs> At you a didn't restaurant. tell your mom is that your mom just walked behind <laughs> yep. your screen. This is a huge development. I never see your mom. <laughs> yep. We're going to go to the Seahawks game after this podcast recording. So Yeah, which means into. you have to wrap it up. But okay, Camelbacks are great. You can wear them. You also, I think really why we started doing it is because in Europe, you can't get water as easily and you can't get it mm-hmm. for free in restaurants. So we needed a, we needed a way to carry around lots of water when we travel and it is a a lifesaver, but it is annoying to clean basically. That is, I mean, yours turns inside out, which is nice. I have to run vinegar through mine. I will say we don't have a lot of product placements on this podcast. We in fact have zero, but I have a Camelback. It used to be called Geiger egg and now it's called Aqua Mira. I think has a lifetime warranty that I have taken advantage of at least four times they're expensive. I think it cost me $50, but they've actually given me three or four brand new replacements over the last six years or so. Anytime something gets ripped or tears or leaks, they fix it. And like you said, I can put it inside out and put it through the dishwasher. Mm. It's totally incredible. And the last time I did it, they didn't even have my model anymore. It didn't exist. So they sent me their newest <laughs> top of the line model it's it's awesome so they're so cheap and i think of them as profit centers because they're really just saving you money on buying water tournaments that i recommend getting the nicest one you can stand (laughs) because it makes a big difference it also has a a fold top i really don't like yours is the kind i don't like the ones that have screw on caps it's just Mm -hmm. like a slick cap it's gonna fail any number of times and leak this one just folds over so Mm -hmm. it's never gonna leak and you can accommodate any faucet size because it's just like, think of like a grocery bag almost. You can just fill it in a stream if you <laughs> want it and then fold it. It even has a pressure thing, which I thought would be a gimmick that I didn't like, but it's actually really sweet. So I recommend the Camelback. So I thought you were going to take something that I don't need, but I'll do it for you, which is scissors. <laughs> it's probably the number one most requested thing when you're at a tournament. Who has Wait. scissors? I don't have scissors in my bag. Really? Yeah. But a lot of people need it to cut the tape if they tape their nails on or people will use it in lieu of um, nail clippers or I don't know. It's just like a useful thing to have scissors. I agree that sometimes. Although, no, I can't even think of the last time I needed. When else have you ever needed scissors and need to borrow it? A couple times, but I don't travel with them. I never have them with me in a jam. Also, I don't know if you want to travel with them because if you forget about it, you don't want to be trying (laughs) to go through the airport with scissors, I think. I don't know what the scissor rules are these days, but I just feel like that's the thing when I'm sitting at the jam field and someone's like, does anybody have any? It's oftentimes scissors. (laughs) Okay. So if you're looking for an in at the jam, you can carry scissors. scissors. It's a good way to... Good way to make friends. All right, so let's do like a quick grab bag of... Give me like your next four or five things and we'll wrap it up. All right, so next one is tape, but specifically the jujitsu tape to tape your fingers. It's narrower than the medical tape that most people use. And is this to keep your nail on or is this to brush? This is to like cover my callus that I get when I throw so it doesn't rip up my skin. Okay. Yep. Then the tackle box to keep your nails and the nail clippers and everything. Mm-hmm. Then sandpaper, 1000 grit to fix the disc in a pinch. Sandpaper is a good one. I definitely have sandpaper. I will often go down to 800. I think 800 is great. <laughs> and sometimes I'll go up higher, but I don't have a method to my madness. Sandpaper is a great one to have. I buy, you can buy, so if you have an orbital sander, you can buy hundreds or thousands of the sandpaper pads that go with that for dirt cheap. So if you <laughs> need sandpaper, I recommend just one time buy an orbital sander 
sandpaper and they come in these little circles that are the perfect size. Make <laughs> sure also if you use sandpaper, sandpaper works best when it's wet. So you should put a little water on the disc and on the sandpaper and you'll find that sanding is so much easier. And then I try to do a mix of clock and counter sanding and then make <laughs> sure you really get it in the rim. So that's that's key. I like those. I usually have extra clothes. I think that's super nice to have, especially if it's cold. I usually have whiz rings, both to give away. Sometimes that's probably what I prefer to play with if I'm out there before everyone else and I don't, I'm not quite warm enough to just start playing by myself. Which, by the way, such an older person thing now. I used to think it was so weird when people needed to warm up or <laughs> said they couldn't sit down for too long because then they couldn't get back up. But now I understand it. It is literally about warming up. I thought warming up was like you're stretching or you're trying to get back up to... High, no, no, I'm literally trying to warm my body up so that I can <laughs> use it. I need to be physically hot to do this. Um, so I recommend that. Two pairs of shoes if it's a longer trip, I think is key. <laughs> or definitely sandals. If you're going to jam more than five hours, you need sandals to switch into. You taught me this. It's one of the best things you ever taught me. Walking <laughs> out of a gym in the same shoes you just jammed in for five or six hours is so brutal. You got to get your feet. You got to give your feet a break or you'll have all <laughs> kinds of problems. Um, what else? I think that's super goop. That's the last thing on my list. Ah, uh, sunscreen. This is okay. Mm-hmm. This is definitely a product placement. <laughs> this is the best sunscreen in the world. Well, in the U.S., we don't have very good sunscreen apparently for arcane, old, archaic sunscreen-related regulations. Which apparently there's a push in Congress to do something about. So TBD if we'll get better sunscreen in the future. So if you live in another country, maybe you have great sunscreen. U.S., the best sunscreen, it's not even close, is Super Goop. This is not Goop associated with that weird, I don't. I think it's like Gwyneth Paltrow, or I don't know what celebrity it is. It's not that. It's not that super bougie, super expensive. Mo- this is a totally different company called Super Goop. Best sunscreen in the world. Gotta have it, right, Ryan? Yep. How much you know, better it's... is it than the next sunscreen? Like 250%? I mean, it does cost 10 times as much, but is it? it's probably 10 times as it's more comfortable to put on. Yeah. Well, here's where I give, I'm not sure if I've ever said this on the podcast before. It's funny. I don't know why I have all this family wisdom. These are like the only three things my family has any thoughts about. And I don't even know why I know this. My uncle, who is just a very fascinating person. We could do a whole podcast on his life story. It's so interesting. But he has a life philosophy, which is if something is less than $20, buy the best one. And <laughs> you probably have to adjust that for inflation, but it's such a good point. Yes, sunscreen feels expensive in some ways if you spend like $50 on a bottle of sunscreen or whatever. But if that's two years of sunscreen and every time you apply it, it costs four cents, it's absolutely worth it to have a better experience. So (laughs) I've definitely used this to great effect in my life. I try to have a reverse strategy. If I'm buying a car, I'm buying the cheapest possible car (laughs) I can get. All it needs to do is drive me from A to B in the same amount of time I don't really care about any of the other details. But if I'm buying like a stapler, I'm going to have the best (laughs) stapler money you can buy because it's going to top out at like 15 bucks and it's going to make a huge difference because cheap things are often aggressively cheap. They're worse for being cheap. They think this should only cost a dollar, so we're going to make it break constantly. But if you get like the super nice stapler, it's amazing. Same thing goes for sunscreen. I'm all in. I would spend four times more money to use super good sunscreen. It's that pleasant to use. <laughs> you gotta have that. It's so critical. Oh, and then I forgot my big one was a headband. I don't know how anyone plays oh, with a headband. Okay. <laughs> if I don't, if I get to the gym and I don't have a headband, I'm turning around and going home. It's not even <laughs> worth it for me to play. And I think it's funny that I think a lot of people assume I do it for aesthetic reasons, which is highly humorous to me because no one's ever accused me of doing anything aesthetically before. I'm someone who wears a white t-shirt or a black t-shirt every single day and the same pants for the last 10 years. I cannot play without a headband. It keeps the sweat off my eyes, my face. And if I don't have it, I have to use my hands to wipe the sweat away. (laughs) And then my hands are messed up. I can't function without a headband. I think headbands have gotten more popular since I started playing. 
I don't know if I had any role in that, but if I did, that will be my greatest contribution to freestyle because headbands are life changing. <laughs> you got to wear a headband. I don't care if I look silly till the day I die. I will wear a headband. Okay. Maybe someday we'll have the cool looking head. Sweat. I don't even need it to be cool. It can be even, it can look even dumber and I'd still wear it. It's, <laughs> it's so important to me to have a headband. I buy, I have like a hundred that I hide all over the place. Every bag's <laughs> got to have hidden headbands in my car. I can never, if I, if the only headband available is one that's still soaking wet from the last jam and smells like mildew, I will <laughs> still wear that headband. That's how important it is to me <laughs> to have a headband in the gym. I so, wear a headband when I bike indoors to keep the sweat out of my eyes. It's the ones you left at my house. I just have, I have multiple. I leave, <laughs> like, them, nice. I leave them everywhere I go just in case. You never know. Like, I don't know if I've ever told this story, but super quick one, and then we'll, I'll let you go. There was, when I was a drummer back in the day, there was the biggest percussion convention, I think in the world, being held in my hometown of Austin that year. It was actually held two years in a row in Austin. And so me and all my music buddies, my drummer buddies, we went to this convention. And one of the days of the convention, they were going to do the world record drum roll. So they were going to have <laughs> all the drummers of the convention all do a drum roll at the same time. And it was going to be a world record, whatever. And so they ordered thousands and thousands and thousands of drumsticks. And they set the time where everyone was supposed to meet. And the only people who showed up are like me and my four or five friends. <laughs> so there was like <laughs> nobody there to set this drum roll world record. And so we did the four person drum roll. They were like, okay, like I don't think there was an existing record. So we probably still set the world record for drum roll. <laughs> but then they're like, okay, we have thousands of these drumsticks. If you guys want, you can just take, you can take a bunch. And so, you know, each pair of drumsticks comes in a little sleeve and each group of, let's say, like 25 drumsticks was in like a plastic wrap. And then there was crates that had, you know, like 25 or 30 of <laughs> the plastic wraps. So I go in there and I grab one plastic wrap of 25 drumsticks and I'm feeling pretty good. And then I look back and my friend is just loading up the crates onto the <laughs> dolly. And I was like, that's a better idea. And so we, the my group of friends in high school, left with hundreds, if not thousands of drumsticks that to this day, I still have some. And what we did with them is we hid them all over the city of Austin because we wanted to know if we were ever in a bind and we needed drumsticks at the last <laughs> minute, we would have one. And I think the best example of this, which is obviously staged, but it was very funny at the time. My friend was playing at a concert on some kind of pedestrian bridge in Austin and he's drumming, he's drumming. He either like broke a stick or like threw it over to the bridge or something, gets up like, runs halfway down the bridge like leans over pulls from like a piece of tape these like drumsticks that he hid like attached to the bridge and runs back to the stage and starts playing again i'm like yes like that's why we have drumsticks <laughs> all over the city that's how i treat headbands i have headbands all over the world just in case there's an emergency you gotta have them um <laughs> and the one time i didn't shout out to marta from poland she let me a headband this year at worlds it was life-changing i need to give it back to her so I think that's it. Is there anything in the jam bag that I missed? <laughs> no, I think that's good. Yep. All right. Cool. Well, thanks for listening. Hopefully there is some fun or insight in this. And we'll uh, talk to you next time. Check us out at clockercounter.com. Send us an email at clockercounter at gmail.com. And thanks for listening. We really appreciate it. Talk soon. <laughs>